0: Hi, everybody. I'm Kevin O'Donohue, licensed mental health counselor.
1: And I'm Naseema Diane trauma specialist and licensed massage therapist. And this is The Positive Mind,
0: where we bring you some ideas, concepts, and guests to help you lead a more positively minded life. And welcome back. You liked our show so much last week, we thought we would follow it up with grief number two. Last week we had our show Grief One. And this will be grief number two, so thank you for your feedback. Uh, Your feedback always comes to us on tffpp.org, and we got a number of responses to last week's show, particularly the phrase, a grief shared is a grief halved. Right? That's kind of iambic in a way. Iambic pentameter. Remember that in high school? Iambic. So... It's kind of memorable, right? When we share a grief, it does kind of get halved. And so much of the last year has been lived in private that we haven't really been able to share our grief. So we thought we would follow up last week's show with another show, yes, on grief. Many of you liked our technique of sharing that technique, Nesimo. Like, how do how do I grieve when I don't even know that... I have grief, or I do know that I have it, but I can't get it out. I can't get access to it. So we did a little demonstration. Maybe we'll do a little bit more of that today, a demonstration. You can always get that um, on our podcast, the Positive Mind podcast, uh, last week's show on grief, which will show you a demonstration. How do I access my grief? But you know, Nassim, I had a question for today's show. If crying weren't so embarrassing... Would you cry more often? Do you think you would cry more often? Do you feel like there's a tear in there, that you have tears in there that you can't get to? And when you can even get to them, and they might almost be there, that you don't get to them because you've been taught that crying is for kids. And, you know, you would be embarrassed. I don't know. When I see somebody crying, I just, I think it's one of the best things in the world. What do you think?
1: Well, I think it connected to grief. I mean, crying is how we release and move through grief, and um, it, it, you know, grief is can be such a frozen, stuck place in ourselves, and it feels sometimes like the tears might be too much, and I think that's part of the reason why a lot of times we won't let ourselves cry especially alone like to really get to it when you share it with someone you can you can bear it a little bit more and maybe go a little deeper really it's so much about sharing because again i think grief is about a love that's no longer there that you've that lo- you've lost something you've lost something and it's it's really it's easier to sort of share how you what you've lost with someone so you don't feel so lost yourself.
0: And way back when, you know, they used to have grief rituals. People used to grieve together all the time. Let's say pre-18th century, 19th century. Everybody grieved together, you know, everybody lived together. It was much more a communal world. Now everybody is so isolated and separated grieving in their own way, nobody sharing any grief about really anything, that, you know, it's 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 something that's unexamined and yet so much a part of being alive. I mean, ask yourself, what have I lost? What have I lost this year? You know, we've lost people, of course, but what else have I lost? And have I grieved that? And how's this is my body carrying a grief that i don't know about you know that there is a heaviness there's something going on i know for me personally through this that physically there's been a sort of change i've had to feel real change that i have to work to get back to where i was pre-covid pre-pandemic i have to get my body back to before then to know my normal self because i definitely feel like i've been carrying something that i don't know what
1: Well, that's a sign of shock in some ways, like you've kind of lost a sense of yourself. And I think there has been a collective shock through our country and through the world in trying to deal with this. And, um, and so when we come together, we can start to sort of melt that shock when we, you know, as we start to come out of our you know, self-imposed now, probably isolation. Um, As we start to come back into groups, some of that, some of those tears may come, some of that remembrance of time lost and, you know, rituals and, and things that you were planning on all last year. I mean, even you said, I can't believe it's been a year since we aired that show that played last week. It's been over a year. And it's like, where did the year go? There's kind of a disorientation of time. Because so much happened last year. So much. It just seemed to keep coming and coming. And that's what can take us into sort of, you know, complicated grief, shock, grief.
0: So before last week's show, we aired two shows on anhedonia and alexithymia and dysthymia, actually. So these are thymia meaning emotions. But alexithymia not having words for emotions and anhedonia not having pleasure, not knowing not experiencing pleasure so all of this is going to change now that we're coming back and I suspect, Nasima people are going to experience the grief once they experience their emotions again they're going to have anger there's going to be a much wider spectrum of emotions as things open up and then all of a sudden somebody's going to get slammed with grief you're going to oh, I, who is not here that would have been with us last year You know, or I'm feeling laughter. I'm laughing for the first time, like with other people for a year. There's going to be an edge of grief at the edge of that, at the edge of the laughter. Right. And don't be surprised. We're telling our audience, you know, let this come. And, you know, are you embarrassed? Would you be cutting off your tears and grief just because of embarrassment? What a terrible, terrible thing.
1: And we have an opportunity here to come together together. In our collective grief, and it were, this show is airing on Memorial Day. You know, it's Memorial Day, and this was this is a day when our country, you know, does come together in a collective grief for the loss of veterans in all wars. Yeah, and it was originated from Decoration Day, which came from the Civil War when North and South came together in 1868 and grieved the loss. See, see
0: I, I think it should be called Decoration Day again, rather than Memorial Day, because Decoration is is an act; you're doing something, and Memorial Day is like you can be by yourself and honoring the the war dead. You know, it's fine, but you know it doesn't. And many people I know, you know, it's just is another day. They're not. Oh, it's a parade. It's or... a parade. You know, there are things, but you know many people don't feel about it but if you're doing something like decorating like you're you you know going to go to the gravesite you're going to do something today that will bring it up more yeah so what do we do about wanting to bring grief up more i know i've lost something or someone um and i want to honor that but i don't know how to get at it What do we do? Well, last week we we recommended you make a song playlist, right? A song playlist, right? We all have our favorite sad songs. I thought today we would play for you uh, the song we mentioned last week. Because to me, this brings the tears. I've had moments where this music has brought the tears. And tears of grief, tears of just sadness, um, tears of pain. A-T-I-E, Gymnopettis. Gymnopettis won. You know, so... Um, that gets to me. And it's like a... You know, at a memorial service when you're at a wake or something, or a funeral, rather, when they're playing kinds of music. To me, this would be a great... Because it conjures images for me. I I see, like, the people that have passed on for me when I hear this, and it deepens the grief. And so... It allows him to let it go. That's one of the things about letting grief go. You know, it's important to let it go. I, um, there's, you know, th- there's actually this old ritual where they would hire women to help you cry at a wake. You know, um, it's not meant to, you know, stop your life totally. It makes sense to stop it a little bit, but, you know, so. So music is a great way to help you grieve.
1: It is. And there's something about grief and mourning calls you to slow down, you know, and this song helps you slow down. Mm. In grief and in sort of being with a grief process, time stops. And I feel like we experienced the stop of many, many things this year. And in this stop, we still had to keep going on some level. We figured out ways to do that, but something was stopped stopped, and something was lost. I think it's important, especially a year later, and a lot of religious traditions do this and cultural traditions come back a year after someone's passed to sort of take stock of the year without, the year without that, or the year without my life as normal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like everybody's life changed. Okay. On some level in this. And so um, in everything stopping, now what tends to happen, and especially after grief so grief process, everything just moves really fast. And I feel like right now things are moving very fast in reopening and getting back to life. And I can tell the city is bustling more. People are walking fast again. And it's like it's easy to run over grief and to run over the feelings that may not have been able to be processed anyway. And a lot of the reason why I thought it might be important to do a show a year later is that I participated in a grief circle recently. And I thought it was a really beautiful idea, an easy thing to come together and just talk about. Because everybody in your circle, in your group, in your life may have had different experiences of loss. And important to share So them. tell
0: us about that. I, I'm really curious about that. I, I, I um, A I mean, ritual? A ritual?
1: Kind of. It was very loose. We just got together in Central Park. Um, there was no charge. Uh, gathered in two small circles and spent seven minutes each just sort of sharing what happened. What we were there to share and let go of and just let others hear nobody you know no crosstalk no trying to fix anything if there were tears there were tears if there weren't there weren't it was just a hearing a way for like I let go of a relation I let go of a couple of relationships this year right and it was important for me to share that and then we took a walk and we had flowers or a stone or something. And on that walk, at some point, you could just leave that uh, sort of symbol of that thing that you lost. Mm. And it was kind of like this process of, you know, crossing over a threshold of leaving it behind. Yeah. And just making it a little more visible. And that can bring up more like just another layer because I've always experienced grief in layers. Yes. There are layers of grief, and, and they go deeper and deeper the further away from the incident mm, or the right, loss you get. Right. Yet they're still there, and they can show up in the strangest places. Like now, as you're getting back to work, or you're going back to the you know, the bar you loved, or getting together maybe with your church group for the first time, or your community group, there's going to be a layer of grief in sort of seeing them again. Okay. Yeah. Or seeing that place again, or maybe even remembering that, you know, I walked by this place the day before I left, you know, for good. Right. Yeah. So that's that's just some of, I'm just trying to name some of what people might be feeling or or may have felt but ran over. Right. It's important right. to go back and get these yes. places again and feel them, because if you don't, they build up into anxiety and depression yes, and yes. you know it's like we might not know it it's like there's we've been in like a psychic numb space when you hear right. numbers and numbers right. and numbers of people dying it's hard to imagine it's hard to fathom it's hard to connect to and now we've come from that numb state to a busy state so classic classic american culture so we won't
0: tell the audience that they should be aware of the potential to feel grief that, okay, if you've been numb for six months or a year or however long, that now things might get activated and there might be something called grief visiting itself on you. I like the idea of grief as a visitation. I mean, for me, I, it, it's just such an obviously physical thing, Nasima mm-hmm. that I feel. I know when I'm in a state of grief because I know that physical feeling of that. But um, for many, it just might be a total surprise but it's really a kind of visitation. It comes to you, it sneaks up on you. And we're saying that because you're gonna be open to many more emotions, that grief might be one of them. And we wanna walk you through an exercise here to help you sort of access the grief. You know, one of the things I have missed, Nasima that you were talking, was I haven't heard public laughter in, in, in over a year, right? And, You know, walking down the street, hearing people laugh over something. Have you heard any laughter in the last year?
1: I have, because I've been around the parks, and I think people in parks are just happier and they're even with relaxing these masks a on. More. Though,
0: I mean, I yeah, think some, it has well, muffled, they're able to have so much sound;
1: they're able to take the mask off in the park. Yeah, well, know? now they are,
0: but yeah. you know, all through this year. Yeah. So, anyway, I was just thinking all the things that haven't heard in a year, and now I'm going to hear some public laughter, and like, wow, that's going to kick off something in me.
1: And you may have felt restrained in laughing at this time. You know, like, it's such a heavy time, we shouldn't be happy. Right. And that can be a complexity of grief and the grieving process, I mean... In going through, like, a like an Irish wake, there was a mix of laughter and tears. You know, there's a lot of joking, but there's also some sadness. And, like, it can feel a little bit odd so, to be happy at solemnity. a sad time. Yes, as yeah. an
0: Irishman. I would say... Not a lot of tears because we have trouble with that, but a lot of solemnity for sure, oh, and reverence, uh, reverence and honor, of course. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. that's just maybe my family, my side of things.
1: But it's something uh, you might look into for yourself. Like, what is your sort of cultural heritage ritual around? Grief and death and dying. Right. And and those can be things you can rest on and use to support you through this.
0: And to consider doing a ritual. You know, I thought uh, of a friend who passed through COVID and having the the mask card with his picture on it, you know, to use that and do a public ritual with other friends because we couldn't do it in public when he died, you know, in in, – in may last year Mm -hmm. that we weren't allowed to come together and now with this picture and maybe some music or something to kick off and to have seven minutes to honor somebody to even just to honor them so so much got kicked off in me when you said in this circle everybody had seven minutes to, to i mean i got a year older i lost a year of my life Yeah. I'm mourning that, you know. I know. I'd
1: like to come back more I'm not not happy
0: about that.
1: I'd like to come back for more visits to that because we just kind of scratched the surface, the first meeting, don't really know each other. Right. And I think we'll probably meet monthly and keep exploring. Okay. But it's it's something that's really recommended, you know, with with one person or five or ten to just make space for talking about this. And do
0: you feel your grief has been halved because you shared your grief? Like I said that, you know, in the old days, people did this kind of thing. They mourned together. The community came together and mourned as a group and that we don't do that anymore. And um, grieving alone is like grieving for a lifetime. You know, you're always going to have that grief, but when you share it and do it with people, it somehow finishes itself.
1: It does. I think it helped me clarify what it was because, you know, grief and emotional shock, which is what can also be at play here, like you're emotionally shocked by all of it, by what happened. Um, you can um, just get some clarity. Uh, the brain can feel so foggy and so mushy. And so, you know, and you don't feel yourself and then you start hearing yourself talk about your experience. And I started, I started to feel myself again. I started to feel my voice again. Mm. And also in hearing others helped me access some parts of my heart too. Because sometimes when you hear others' grief story, it touches, it starts to melt your ice a little bit. I really feel grief and this kind of shock as a frozen place in you. Yes. And you need the warmth and connection of others to start to melt it and let it come out as tears as wails, as whatever needs to happen and i appreciate cultures that sort of allow the wailing because it really keeps that's what you were talking about this tradition this you know irish tradition called keening where they just sort of inspire you to cry
0: yes yes so there it is. Okay, sharing your grief and the courage to cry uh, in, a, in a group like that of strangers uh, can help others cry. So, it's so connecting. It's right.
1: vulnerability. It's saying, I'm human. This is my human experience. And every human can relate to that. So I'm trying to think, what is,
0: makes it so terrible for people to cry together or cry in front of somebody? I think, it, I think it's like the need to fix it. Like, everybody wants to jump in and fix it. Imagine somebody crying who you've never seen cry, and you want to help them. I mean, you want to put an end to their tears for them. And actually, the really bigger gift is to just let them have it and really realize, I don't need to fix it. They don't want me to fix it. Yeah. They don't want me to.
1: And I think sometimes men get themselves into the position of feeling like they have to be the ones to be strong while someone else is crying. Yeah, sure. And that they really aren't allowed or shouldn't show their tears.
0: Sure, because if you're crying, you're not ready for action to solve problems. That's often the role a man identifies with, unfortunately, when that's Mm -hmm. not necessary so much anymore. So it's like a real act of restraint to not go and fix somebody's tears and try and jump in. And a real gift to let them have it. I know it's very difficult. Our training is to interrupt it, you know, stop that at all costs. But maturity and growth is like to interrupt that pattern of what I learned and see what's what's what can I do that's constructive and helpful. And what's constructive and helpful is to let that person cry. Let them have it. And maybe, you know, you can you can feel it yourself.
1: I think that's why we usually try to stop it is that we don't want to feel it ourselves. We're afraid it's going to melt our iceberg a little bit too much and we'll be bawling too. So it's a beautiful thing to do, to cry with another, to let them inspire your crying, but also to keep track that, you know, it's them you're supporting right now Mm. and just to feel grounded and feel present and just be with them.
0: And so for those of you who can't, access these tiers we recommend this exercise you right maybe when nobody's home you you're in your bedroom you go into your own bedroom and you t- turn the lights down it could be in the afternoon it could be at night it could be you know whenever um or the house could be full i'm not saying it has to be with nobody around but the room you should be alone in your room and you know you lie on your bed you know and you take stock what am i feeling my whole body. What am I feeling lying here in the bed? And you take a deep breath and you breathe into your belly. And then you take another deep breath and breathe into your belly. and Take note. What am I feeling? What's my body feeling? Am I feeling a heaviness? Am I feeling something blocked? Am I feeling nothing? Am I feeling numb? And slide over. Slide over to the edge of the bed and put one leg one foot on the floor and the other half of your body is staying on the bed and you're open your arms as wide as you can both sides one arm to the right close to the floor and one arm on the bed and open your chest as wide as you can open your chest open 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 and see if there's a sound in there and let that sound come out and if there's another sound and let that sound come out and not a whimper sound, a real sound make the sound make the sound and let your body surrender to this and collapse and there might be a tear at the edge of this many many tears at the edge of this and taken stock of the whole year March, April, May, June, July, and the months piling on. And the changes and the losses that have accumulated month after month. And not registering them, not knowing them, then blending into each other. And so a season becomes a half a year, and a half a year becomes a full year, and there's no distinction. And now is my time, it's my chance, I can let go of it. And I'm opening my chest and stretching my arms as wide as I can stretch them. And I'm breathing deeply. And I'm letting whatever sound is in my torso, in my belly, in my chest, in my throat, out. And accentuating it and making it louder. And louder. And then see, you know, let the tears come. If they are tears. And you can have music there, you know not music with words to it just music that can help you and then this will give you access when somebody else is crying publicly around you not to need to interrupt them and not not to need to stop them and or to fix them or to protect anybody cuz tears never hurt anybody if anything they help and they might help you so so somebody wrote us about this exercise that we, wrote, uh, we mentioned last week when we did grief one and how it had helped them so much that you know they had this feeling for the first time. First time a grief that they remembered from the 1980s that this opening of my chest made me re- remember the loss of my best friend in 1983. And we thank Jeremy for that. But, you know, uh, this exercise is a good one. And I recommend it. Again, halfway on the bed, halfway off, arms open as wide as possible. Let the sound come up out of your belly, from underneath your belly button, all the way up and out, and exaggerate it. And see what comes.
1: And this is a beautiful exercise because it does kind of open the area of our body where we feel grief the most, which is in the chest, the heart, the lungs, the throat. That's where we tend to lock it down. That's where it tends to flow from. Right.
0: And we're going to be taking our break then, okay? And we'll be back after this. You're listening to The Positive Mind. I'm Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed mental health counselor.
1: And I'm Nasima Dayan-Demer, trauma specialist and licensed massage therapist.
0: We'll be right back. We are back, and you're listening to The Positive Mind. I'm Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed mental health counselor.
1: And I'm Nassima Diane Deemer, trauma specialist and licensed massage therapist.
0: Two things I want to read, Nasima, two things as we do another show here on grief. It's such an important topic. You know, I think under almost all mental difficulties, emotional difficulties, is grief. I mean, we're, we still are getting over not being number one in mommy and daddy's eyes. (laughs) I mean, it's uh, laughing, but it's kind of true. I mean, you know, I mean, when you undo that box of grief, you might also touch the fact that you were abandoned at one point or, or at a time when you were in need as a child was not responded to. And so, you know, in some level, we all have this pain within us that is always available to mourn. And mourning it will make us more alive. If You know, the people that do not get in touch with their grief are the ones who, you know, really suffer emotionally and mentally.
1: I was thinking about our shows about attachment that we just did with um, Miriam and Howard Steele, that, you know, children who run to mommy but mommy's not available, suffer like multiple sort of emotional shocks and griefs. And I find that as we start to unpack that kind of stuff with my clients, that that's, it's just let it be, grieve it. It's okay. It's okay. It makes sense that you feel really sad about that.
0: And we remember that these attachment styles that we developed at the age of three, two, three, four, uh, secure attachment or insecure attachment, are what we recreate in our adult lives. And so if we were insecurely attached, that we will pick a partner that can replicate that insecure attachment or anxiously attached or dismissively attached or avoidantly re- attached. So those shows are really important because these things have a legacy later on. And the only way to to heal them is really to grieve the pain of being insecurely attached. Can you think of that? Was I insecurely attached to my parents, to my mother, growing up? Was she preoccupied all the time? And so, you know, she had her own issues. And so she didn't have time, really. And I interpreted that as maybe my fault and not really understanding her attachment with her parents and upbringing. Yeah.
1: And to add to that, when that parent dies... It can put you into sort of a complicated grief situation because here you always wanted to feel that attachment and now that person's gone, gone. And that can make it even even more painful. So, yeah, it's so woven into the fabric of what it is to be human. Loss happens all the time. And just to recognize and be with it is a really important part of being a healthy deep human being.
0: A box of grief. There is a box of grief under my bed. I didn't recognize it at first. Filled with poems and memories and pictures. Filled with turns of corners and losses of ways. It gathers dust and cat hair. It waits like water in glaciers. My grief is there. I know it's there by the feel of it. It's raw, it's love, it's loss. There is a box of grief under my bed. Shall I bring it with me when I go? Or leave it for the next person to sift through? Seeing only the smiles, the captured memories. Not the forgotten, the sullen, the slow. It's here my heart lies with the dust bunnies. There is a box of grief under my bed holding it all with rivets and lid and clasp. Once in a while I open it to make another deposit. Out comes another, long forgotten one, to greet and bring bring it in, to hold until ready to feel, until time stops, until the glaciers melt and ice is no longer possible, to hold until I'm held with it, to hold until it's time. There is a box of grief under my bed. Nasima Diane Deemer. Yep. Where did that come from? Is that recent?
1: That is recent. It came after that grief circle. It was something I kind of did in preparation for the grief circle. I went to that box that holds all the pictures Uh and it holds old stories and poems that I wrote as a young woman young girl I had a pretty significant loss of my brother when I was 15 so that brought up lots of old poems about loss one mm. was a poem that I wrote you know it's like the room down the hall the room down the hall that won't be filled again right you know the room that will always that, be in my heart
0: that's a poem too you wrote yeah that, hmm. that
1: was back in 1985 wow something I wrote that And so it's, it's been something I've danced with for a long time in my life and in and out of different losses and things. And, and as I brought this box out, you know, I didn't quite know. I was like, I was like, you know, what, what, what am I looking for here? What is it? What, which one do I want to sort of process and share in this group? And so when I came home after the group, I saw the box and it just like kind of came to me this idea. Like, mm. I have this box of grief under my bed.
0: Wow. We all have a box of grief, but you put it into words and beautiful, beautiful words. Thank you. Really a touching. <laughs> wow. Whew. Uh, I wonder what, you know, every, your, everybody out there, what's your box of grief hold? What has it got in there? It's nice because I I said earlier in the first half that grief is like a visitation, you know. It's a thing that happens to us. But we could also be inside a box somewhere where I've left all my losses, all the losses I've felt. And we want to say it's good to grieve the losses. It's good to grieve the passage of time. It's good to grieve uh, all the changes, Because change is a loss, you know, change leads to leaving a behind, leaving behind something. And we're talking about this past year, leaving so much behind. And, um, but it's all about loss. And it's, it's important to grieve this. So we hope the exercise before the the break helps, but.
1: So there's another way that you can process this. Um, It comes from a book that I read. Many years ago, and I continue to go back to, called Women Who Run With the Wolves. Oh, I've heard about that book. By Clarissa Pincolas Estes. And uh, Chapter 12 has this great, you know, process in there called Descansos. And any of our Hispanic listeners might understand this process, but it's it's the way in which we mark the places of death. Like, if somebody was riding down a road and was hit by a car on their bike, we put a cross there. Oh, of course. And it's a way to sort of pin it to the earth and help lay it to rest. And this is a process she goes through, and and it's more detailed in that chapter 12. You're welcome to look it up. It's about foregoing, which is what I'm kind of doing when I put things in the box of grief. Sometimes it's not time. It's not the right time. And I say in the poem, you know, it's like, I'll grieve this when time stops. So in those moments when you can stop or when you've made time for yourself to feel, then I will grieve it, right? So forego. Another part of it is to forgive, which can be hard because like maybe I made a choice in my life where I went one direction instead of another. And maybe I fantasize about taking that other road because this one didn't seem to work out the way I thought. So maybe I can forgive myself for making that choice. And so this, these are different things that can be grieved in a lifetime. Okay. And then I, the work of forgetting, which is like, I believe, letting it go from the body, which is part of the crying and the grieving process. And then there's a and process. And you can't
0: forget unless you let it go from your body. Your body no will not let you forget it. It won't. I mean, this is like
1: It stays as a tension as a as a turning of a stone of a you know, it's just something that just needs to be seen and felt. And then the process of really laying it to rest, like making a marker, putting something, you know, having, like writing it down and burning it or throwing it in a river or, you know, burying it in the earth, just a ritual that helps you sort of lay it to rest so that you can move on.
0: You know, I'm, 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 I am I'm was thinking some people might not want to let it go. You know, I think in some ways, like, I don't want, To say goodbye to, let's say, my dad or my sister or my family or my friend or something. I'm afraid that if I grieve too well, I'm going to lose them forever. They'll be gone. I'll never have access to them. At least with the pain, I have access to them.
1: But what you might get in return if you grieve well is that you get the gratitude for them being in your life. You get the abundance of the love that you felt in connection with them and that can nourish you and help you be a deeper more authentic person and also be able to be with others in their grief
0: i think this is where cognitive therapy comes in place that they wouldn't want you to be hanging on to them if they've passed they'd want you to hold on to the best of them you know and that's what i often ask people when they they're grieving what 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 what's missing from the world now what's gone you know and it's those traits and the essence of the person that's gone now and i asked well you know do you have those traits or can you muster those traits or appreciate those traits and accept those traits in yourself would they want you to have those traits and can you absorb them and keep them going and of course yes they'll say so you know i think you this is cognitive work that, that I do with a client instead of the emotional part. Like, how do we go forward here? You know, this person, they don't want you to continue to suffer. And they don't want you to carry them in this way. How can we name what they brought to you and you absorb them so that you can go forward? That's another aspect of grief. But I do want to honor and recognize that there are things people fear that we're going to lose this person if I fully grieve them and I no longer have them. And my my answer is that's not the case at all. You'll have more ready access to them when you have cognitively processed what is missing now of my life. What is missing? Gone. So um, it's another step, but a necessary one. You mentioned co- um, um, complex grief, Nasima. Let's talk about that. But I want to. I do want to read my second piece that I said I would read. Here And I think a lot of people are going to relate to this. I sat with my anger long enough until she told me her real name was grief. (laughs) I sat with my anger long enough until she told me her real name was grief. And I want to say, I mean, you could fill in the blank. I sat with my blank all COVID-19 pandemic year long until she told me her real name was grief. What have you sat with all year long?
1: Well, I want to come back to anger because it makes a lot of sense that loss or having to lose something or having to make, you know, maybe a choice you didn't want to make will bring up anger or you know it's like i'm angry my you know husband died of covid that's yes that is real and under that is the grief the loss so and
0: if you were raised in a family where you weren't allowed to be angry or god forbid you know to be angry was to be ridiculed and 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 looked down upon or insulted etc. Or however anger was treated in your upbringing home. That's that the question right away. If you want to know why you can't grieve, ask why weren't you allowed to be angry as a kid? What was the family's relationship to anger? And you just might find that that's the reason why I can't grieve too well. I don't know how to grieve because I wasn't allowed to be angry. Because yes, loss is me. I'm, the first thing you're going to feel is anger. And then we, last week we talked about denial, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance. So denial is the first step, and then anger, and then bargaining. bargain, please, God, no, please, you know And I'll do this if you just it isn't true. And then depression and then acceptance. So those are those stages. And again, we talked about those last show as well. But I wanted to talk about it. First note that, you know, in America, we don't really grieve very well. In some countries, Nasima, they'll let you grieve for a year after, you know, a big death, a, a death of a parent. You know, I, I want to acknowledge that like, getting over the death of a parent can take a lifetime, really. And yet here in America, we, we don't give much time for that. Um Not to mention death of your children as well. I mean, so, gosh, I mean, what could be a greater pain? So grief is a huge, huge problem for America and Americans. Um, And I wanted to ask you before, you know, we finish phase two, show number two here on Grief, that what are the body effects of somebody who has denied their grief? Like, we can look at some people and say, oh, that person looks so sad that... They haven't got access to their grief at all. We all see people like this or people that are stooped over from years and years of carrying an emotion that they can't feel or express. And, you know, there's something called complicated grief, denied grief. And I'm wondering first how, how it shows up in the body, what what it looks like. And what are some things you do in your practice with grief?
1: Well, it looks like, a lot of what you said. I mean, there's often um, hunched shoulders, there'll be a lot of back and neck tension. Um, Maybe the voice is constrained a bit. Um, In the energy work that I do, grief comes from the throat, like it's the fifth chakra. It's the expressive chakra. And it's the place where we can let go in order to move again and so often we lock everything down in the jaw the neck the shoulders kind of try to sort of press down to keep it from coming up and i think people can have like an all over kind of body ache because when grief is really moving through you it is a full body experience and when it's not moving through you just think of all of that energy and emotion that you're trying to keep down that lid on that box has to be clamped really tight to keep it down for a long time. And so it's, it's something that can, that can be a fearful to move into, can be hard to release. And also, I find sometimes our cli- my clients get so identified with this state of being, like not grieving but in kind of shock, that it's hard to imagine life without it.
0: It's our pride in not grieving. I'm wondering, like, I, hey, you know, I'll let my body show the, exam, you know, yeah. to show the results, but at least I'm not grieving, you know, I mean. It's right, I've moved on.
1: It's another layer of denial. Right, I mean, course, denial makes its case all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I've gotten over that, I don't need to go back there. Um It's something that, you know, I think especially if you suffered grief or losses as a young child, especially of of a parent or a close friend or a sibling, that that can be particularly difficult to move into because that's held in the child's state, you know, and, and that child was so overwhelmed, not really knowing how to manage their grief. And if it wasn't well managed in the family, they, you know, it's, it's a, that makes it kind of complicated.
0: Right. And wherever there's great pride, there's always been great suffering. You know, I think Mm. pride is the consequence of suffering. That those who don't suffer don't really need their pride. But the people who have tremendous pride um, are so proud of enduring the suffering that I've endured. Right. And I did want to say a little something about the Enneagram. You know, Nassima, these are nine ways of denying grief in a way. Right, yeah. we have nine ways of being a personality here in the world. Right, yeah. the enneagram talks about this, and you know the the giver, the person who's always helping, you know, has denied that they're they're of any value, you know, and they they have tremendous pride in being servants to everybody, and and the the achiever is so proud of his accomplishments, you know. Um, and their success in the world and the cars that they drive and all the status symbols and they haven't got over the grief of not being loved for who they were as children and you know the observer in life you know who has a special kind of form of knowledge that's the way I'll redeem myself that's how I'll become special that's how people will notice me you know have never gotten over the grief of being marginal in their upbringing in their home. And you can go on and on. The the peacemaker, the one who's always creating peace. The number nine, we talk about them in the Enneagram. You know, they have this pride of being able to not feel anything. And I'm always ready to help out and sort things out and tell people what's their biggest motivations. And yet they don't know anything of their own energy. They can't, like, love and work. They can't... They're, they're saddled with what we call sloth, you know, that vice. So... All of these numbers, you know, are versions of avoiding grief, of not feeling that original wound. And each of them has an original wound. The number six, the doubter, the one who's always challenging and questioning every idea, you know, every guru, every important person has never gotten over the the loss, the grief over their father figure that, you know, was supposed to protect them. You know, So it's another take on this Enneagram, which we've talked about, and is also in our archives, and you can find it at thepositivemind.com.
1: And in trauma work, I mean, grief is the one thing that we don't intervene with. We don't work with. We just let it be, more than anything. Once it's there in the room and it's showing itself, we just let it move. We let it do its thing. We let the tears come. We encourage the, the client to just be with it. And I'm going to be here with you with it.
0: So you're, but I mean, that's your job is to encourage it. Okay. When it shows up, yes, to be with it, but you're encouraging. I know in my work in my therapy practice, I'm always, you know, shifting around to try and help the client feel the feeling that they're not allowing themselves to feel. And and when it does show up, I finally, you know, lean back in my chair and let it be there. So that exactly. when they look up from exactly. their position of pain and expression, they see somebody who's with them. Right.
1: Right. And grief can sometimes come from recognizing that you've been a certain way your whole life that you didn't have to be.
0: Gosh, what a grief. Imagine that. Let's pause and then maybe end our show with this. You know,
1: it's like, wow, what a in, a way, like- in a way, in a way you did have to be it because there was no other way you knew at the time. So I'm speaking specifically about certain dissociative states that there was such emotional shock that I had to sort of leave my body. Right. And all this stuff happened. And now I'm recognizing that that's what I do. And wow, I haven't been home in years. Right. I haven't been here in years.
0: And I haven't been who I've wanted to be in years.
1: I haven't been myself. I
0: haven't really been who I am. I really am. Um, in, in years. And for whatever the reasons are. And so we invite you to come home. Invite you to feel your grief. We're hoping these shows, last week and this week's show, has helped you. Um, because, you know, you're important. The and, real you is important,
1: and also know that there you know there are people to reach out to. You can easily this group, this grief group, came together I think fairly easily just by sending out an email to friends on the internet on Facebook saying, "Hey, let's all you know here's here's a, here's an opportunity to just come together and share."
0: Could could people Google grief groups? I wonder. I Maybe. mean, I wouldn't be surprised. But you could certainly Google grief and and find places in your own area where people will come together. And I'll repeat, you know, people used to grieve together as communities and together, you know, past centuries. And only in the last century and a half have people in America really had to grieve alone. Uh, and it's gotten narrower and narrower and more private and more private and that's that's a shame. That's really, um, you know, a bad development. But these grief groups and grief circles and moments to share grief publicly, you know, are there for healing and they're available. And if you're not familiar with grief, maybe be around people that know how to do it and it'll help bring it out in you. I can imagine seven minutes to be able to talk, Nasima. seven minutes to be able to talk about my grief. Without a plan, just people honoring, sitting with you, being there, saying, your turn, you get to talk and see what comes out of your mouth. And that's our show for today. You've been listening to The Positive Mind. We're glad you joined us. This is show number two on grief. It's tough work, but it's important work, and we hope you got a lot out of it. I'm Kevin O'Donoghue, Licensed Mental Health Counselor.
1: And I'm Nasima Diane Deemer, Trauma Specialist and Licensed Massage Therapist. And we would like to thank our affiliates, WBDY, WRWK, KAOS, KFOI, KPEJ, KXCR, KYGT, Global Community Radio, The Detour, And you can also find us on most podcast platforms under The Positive Mind. Um, Our chief engineer is Jeff Brady and our producer, Connie Shannon. You can also contact us at tffpp.org with questions, comments, or suggestions for the show. That's tffpp.org.
0: See you next week, folks. Bye-bye for now.